We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is a Locker Room Production. We actually have our first speaker if you'd like to get going, John. I would love nothing more than to get going. I'm just looking up. Did you know, Andrew Claudio, mm-hmm. Obi Toppin averaged 7.3 points in the preseason? Again, million years ago, but he did. That, that was a thing that happened. How yeah. many minutes did he average in the preseason? He averaged 25 minutes per game in the preseason. He played all four preseason games. He averaged 7.3 uh, points. He shot 9% from three in the preseason, um, and he pulled down six rebounds and dished uh, an assist and a half uh, per game in the preseason. So he had decent preseason numbers, actually. See what happens when you average more than 11 to 12 minutes a game. Um, Okay, let's bring up our first guest here on Locker Room, George Esquera. Welcome to this. Hey, good morning. George, uh, I only talk to George every other day, so this is a real rare occurrence. <laughs> oh man, how you man. feeling, buddy? Uh, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm worried. I'm Are worried. We're, we're headed. We're headed towards. Uh, I feel like we're we're uh, we're headed towards uh, a monsoon. Like we're we are we are we are on a surfboard and we are paddling into the giant wave that's crashing. Yes, out. exactly, exactly, exactly. Where we can maybe survive it, you know, um, maybe. Well, but, but I, you're you're not you're in those situations. You're basically hoping for survival. You are you are if you are paddling into the monsoon, you are um you're you're not thinking about thriving. You're thinking about no, yeah, no, okay. no. Wait, what do you, do you what do you think about uh you think Julius is just is he hurt? Is he is he play, trying to play through the pain cuz he knows the team pretty much has zero chance without him on the court. Do you think he's just trying to gut it through? You think he came back too early from his thigh bruise? I so it's a, and then also RJ's got that tweaked ankle and you think he did the same thing cuz everyone knows every you know, the players and the team knew what we all knew, that that Wolves' loss was catastrophic and last night was had become a must-win. Um, yeah, uh, I thought, well, I thought the Wolves' game was a must-win because of last night. Like, for me, I was, I, I if you notice, I didn't do, like, any kind of a write-up in um, – the newsletter about like the importance of last night's game or I thought we had to win last night's game because I felt like putting that on the team with how well Dallas had been playing um, was a little bit unfair. 
Um, yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to check it right now because I'm fairly certain that they are still uh, since the All Star. Yeah, since the All Star break, the Mavs have the fifth best net rating in the league. They're at seven point eight, trailing only the Jazz, Sixers, Suns, and Clippers. And it's a it's a it's a pretty clear top like six. After them is the Bucks, and then you get to like the Hawks and the Nuggets. Everybody. So like I didn't I didn't go into that game like thinking that we were gonna win. So I didn't view that as a must win. Do I think in terms of Julius, I thought he was like he was good in the Minnesota game until the very end. So I don't know what to make of that. Like he hit a lot so of shots. That's what happens sometimes. You know when you ha- when you try to play through these injuries because you prep your body right to get out on the court. And you're doing okay, and then you know you, you you loosen up, so you feel good. So you have those good two two or three quarters, but then when you sit and you come back, that when you're trying to play through pain, that fourth quarter, sometimes you just you just have nothing left in the tank. Well, you bring up an interesting um, an interesting point, which is that I, I think there is. You know, it's funny. The, the the season Randall is having, I feel like a few people have compared it to some of Melo's years uh, when he was here. And we. this is all so new that I don't feel like we're, we're have our head fully wrapped around it. But if we think back to some of the defining traits of the Melo experience, how often did we go into fourth quarters and we were like, Oh, now Melo's going to take over or try to take over and it's going to go really poorly. And I'm wondering if like Julius is like he, like if you look at the stats this year, he's not shooting poorly in the fourth quarter. He's shooting 46% from the field in the fourth. The only way, the only time he's, the only um, place he's shooting really bad from in the fourth is from three. So three point percentage first first quarter forty two percent second quarter forty four percent third quarter forty two percent fourth quarter from three this year Julius is thirty five point seven percent overall field goal percentage though it's pretty straight the only thing that he does he shoots it a lot less in the fourth he's only taking he's taking under four field goals attempt uh, four field goal attempts per fourth quarter he's passing it. A lot, um, more and he's like trying to let other people do him, but that's because people are like doubling him. I just think in Minnesota that game, like he was trying to force it up more because the offense had just completely broken down around him. And I think that's what maybe we weren't used to seeing. I want to get a little bit more of a sample size before I call this like he's getting he's tired. He's he's this is what we're going to see for the rest of the season. Um, and I, he just I mean, hasn't looked. He just hasn't looked like you know the Julius that we got used to. You know that that, but all, how, that all NBA level. He hasn't. He hasn't really played at that level in a couple of weeks. How much though do we do we really have a sample size of huge fourth quarter? Like think of through the year. How many times has Julius like carried us on his back in the fourth quarter specifically? We could all think of times he's carried us on 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 his back throughout games. But I feel like he that has it has that am I maybe I'm forgetting something. But I don't you know feel what? Like I don't think we've had I don't think we've had many games where the fourth quarter where that like where we came back and won the fourth quarter or yeah. we held off a team in the fourth quarter. I mean a yeah. little bit. Nothing really where those last four minutes were like, you know, a total slugfest. We haven't had that many games like that. I Either we're winning, think- we're winning because we have that great defense and we clamp people down. Or we're behind and we're trying to get back in, but then we don't quite get there. I can't remember that many. Like the Miami game, I guess, was kind of like that. But what what other game? When they've won close games in the fourth quarter, it's been on the backs of their defense. It has. If you think back to this year, it's kind of crazy to say because we have however many wins we have. But like, there's not a ton of like huge late buckets where you where you remember the team going like back and forth with someone. They're scoring and we're scoring. It's usually like. We stop the other team a bunch of times, and we maybe make one bucket or two buckets at most. I want to hit um, a couple of comments in the chat, which I think are really good. John Fillmore says, body language has dipped a bit. He needs some help and is a bit more tired from carrying us on his shoulders. I saw the body language thing in um, when RJ missed the no, – no, sorry, not when RJ missed the shot against Minnesota. It was when RJ went out of bounds against Minnesota. Uh, Julius was in the corner, and yeah. after RJ stepped out of bounds, you saw the, the shoulders slump. I, uh, I saw that too. Yeah. Totally. Notice that. And then Apollo Reed 
Um, oh, yeah, Ced- uh, Cedric is, is good here. The Burks and Rivers uh, game. Well, Rivers in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that was in, against Utah. And Burks has had definitely some moments in the fourth. Those have been our two big fourth quarter guys this year, and one of them's not even on the team anymore. And then um, Apollo Reed says in the chat, I saw him getting into it with Tibbs in a timeout during the Wolves game. Could it be as simple as chemistry? I don't know. I mean, I think this team is – I'm not going to – I think the chemistry is still good. Um, but, may, I mean, I think they're frustrated. I think the Wolves game was a frustrating game, and I could see them getting into it as a result of that. I, that doesn't, for me, bode as something to worry about big time moving forward. I think this team is still pretty pretty close-knit. close, close knit. Um Oh, funny. Good call. RJ in the Pacers game. Yeah. No, that was, that was another good one. Um, yeah. Wins, wins does help chemistry, doesn't it? <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. So. yeah. Lo- losing yeah. tests your, uh, the whole vibe of the team. But that, that's what we're really all worried about, right? We're not worried. Like, we're worried I, about. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. About, like, I, yeah. Of course we all. I mean, I had dreams of them being able to get the fourth, fifth, or even sixth seed, which, you know, hey, it's still possible. But, I know from my 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 standpoint, I just don't want them to go to be like a, a five below five hundred team. We, I just we don't, don't want them want, to get there. We don't want the good juju of this season to go down the shitter. Yeah, that's what we don't want. We want to end. What, however, we get there. If we are standing there at the end of the season, and we and the Knicks are like, you could look at the Knicks and be like, all right, that is an organization that feels good about itself, and they are they did a they did the. Something good this season. This season, but we're there now. Good. We're there now. Yeah, the, but, the whole but national attention is showing that people are talking lose, favorably. But if we lose, what is it going to? How many losses is it going to take for that to go away? That's what I'm worried about right now. I, 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 I'm I'm trying, I think if we if we don't get into the actual playoffs, playoffs, we'll lose some of that shine, some of that juju, a little bit. I think even if we do the play in and, and lose. I think it'll be kind of like it'll be like well the Knicks kind of had they had a nice, eh, but it, you know but if we get in we get in then well, no one can say hey the Knicks made it to the playoffs they went from terrible to playoffs in one yeah, season no you're you're right all right George thank you man uh, it's always all right thank you man yeah no I just want to say before we get the next person up here Rye uh, Rye had a good comment that the team clearly struggles when Randall isn't at an all star level and I think the one thing. You are the two things that I'm personally going to be paying attention to for the rest of the season in terms of, again, that like good vibe aspect of it is, is like what version of Julius are we going to get? If we, if he doesn't need to play at this at exactly the level he's played at the whole year, but it needs to be close. He can't like completely break down and like lose all of this, uh, you know, all the good momentum. So yeah, you're absolutely right. That would make all the extension max extension talks a little easier, in my opinion. Um, next <laughs> up, a, an active contributor to the post game chats. Here's Jonas Plout. Jonas, you are on stage with John. Can I just say to Jonas, I he always you always ask like thoughtful, interesting questions as opposed to not that I not that I begrudge anyone for putting this in the post game chat, but like. You know, when I see, like, why the fuck is Peyton still out there? Like, none of us have answers to that question. Your questions are really thoughtful and, and, and make me think, so I appreciate them. Oh, thank you. I'm a college student, so I'm doing something right. Well, you're going to college. That's two things you're doing right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I actually want to talk about something. First of all, what George was saying, I kind of agree. Um, you know, I think after the All-Star game, you know, we we adjusted our expectations for the team. And if we don't make the playoffs, especially after being above 500 after the break, you know, that's going to be a disappointment for me, at least. But, you know, last night I wrote something in the chat about how after the Spurs game, we've really taken a step back, in my opinion, in terms of our play. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And like that, the fact is, like, we've been being kept afloat by wins against, you know, these crappy injury depleted teams. Yep. Which got me thinking, um, you know, when the last time we had a real win against like a real team was. So I looked, and I'm not talking like the Bucks G League team. So I went in the schedule, and the last time we got a real win was against the Pacers, I think, where Frank stole the ball, February yeah. 27th. That's over yeah. a month ago. And the Pacers are nine seed. So I, like, you know, I don't like the plan. Like, I like the plan, but I don't like the plan. So well, I went I, back. Can I stop you for one sec? Because I just want to point something else out. That yeah. win was on February 27th. If you want to go back a little further, 
I yeah. don't necessarily count the Sacramento win before that as a real win because that team was playing like utter dog shit at that time, and they did not come to compete that night. The win before that was against Minnesota, who we, we all remember that game. Minnesota was terrible, and they still almost came back and beat us. And the three wins prior to that, Atlanta, Houston, and Washington, we were playing Washington without Beal. We were playing Houston without anybody. That The Atlanta win was good. So if you want to yeah. even go back over the last two months – you could say it's two wins against really solid, good competition in the last two months if you're going to count the Atlanta win as the second one. Anyway, so uh, keep going. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, like, I was going to go back to the Atlanta game. Um, and that really makes me think, like, if I was an NBA player, which I'm obviously not, and none of us are, unless someone's incognito, but if I was <laughs> one, I would certainly lose confidence over the fact, if I knew that, that we hadn't gotten a win against a real NBA team in that long. Um, which makes me think that the biggest thing we need is a statement victory, not against the Pistons tonight or whatever. Yeah. But in the next few games, we need to get a win now, really give us that confidence again to play with the fearlessness that we played with for the first 20 or 30 games where we didn't care who was on the other side of the court, what players were there, what their record was, what they did, where we would just go out and play bully ball. I don't think we're doing that anymore because I don't think we have the confidence against the big teams anymore. And that's just from my perspective, at least. Well, first of all, I, I again, as usual, thoughtful, thoughtful comments from you. Um, I guess the only thing that I'll say is I don't know that even going back to the beginning of the season, other than the Utah win, I, and and the Bucks win. See, but the Bucks win was weird because the Bucks shot eight thousand three pointers that night. I'm talking, I'm talking about the first Bucks win. The, yeah. They shot eight thousand three pointers that night and, and hit like four. So I think the only legit win we had all season against a team that we know definitively is good is that is the Utah game. To me, the Portland win. Yes, Ashwin. The Portland win was awesome. The Portland win was great. I would say I would probably put the Portland win down as either the Portland win or one of the Indiana wins or maybe the Atlanta win as the the second Celtics win. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, but the Celtics win they were it was a Sunday afternoon game, kind of funky. It was on the road. They were missing Jalen Brown. It's like there's caveats there. For my money, the best that they've looked all year. My two cents, this is going to may sound crazy, the game against the Clippers. Because the yeah. Clippers game, don't forget, the Clippers came out and they were fucking firing away. Like, they were hitting on all cylinders. They were fully healthy. They were completely engaged. And we went toe-to-toe with that team. And granted, were we hitting a lot of shots that maybe we don't usually hit? Yes. But th- what, to your point, when you're talking about that fearlessness, that we don't give a shit who's on the opposite side of the court, I think back to the Clippers game and, and yeah. how they came out that night or that day, I guess, because it was, it was, I'm pretty sure it was a day game also. Um, I don't disagree with you. I think a statement win would be really nice. I just, uh, I don't, I've, I've said this before. I don't know how this team, when a really good team locks in on defense against us, I just, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Like, where's the answer for us? Yeah. You know, I, I get embarrassed every time the zone defense comes up. Like, the fact that we're an NBA team, we face the zone for long periods of time every single game embarrasses the hell out of me because that shouldn't be happening. Like, I don't care. Like, I, I'm very optimistic about our future after this season, and we've taken a huge step forward. But I feel like we're starting to come back down to earth, and I think – over the past few games, we're starting to realize that we, because of our lack of talent, we're not going to be able to compete with the best. So, you know, I'm starting to, I want to say, get a little like sad about this year, but you know, I think we're coming back to earth. But I, but I, I don't know if you guys, so the, the clip went, uh, was, was making the rounds, not because of what I was saying, but because my daughter popped up, it was like a month ago, um, where I was saying on like some intro to some pod or whatever, that like we, if things start to go downhill moving forward in the season, as long as we're still seeing the team play like their brand of basketball, which is I think what like what are these two thousand twenty twenty one New York Knicks? They are a team that will come out and fight like hell on defense, which they're still doing. 
Like, even in the Minnesota game, maybe this is just me. Yes, a few breakdowns late, just like last night in Dallas, a few breakdowns late. I thought they've competed like hell in all on defense in all of these games. The only games where we didn't, we, where we haven't competed hard on defense, or we like let go of the rope on defense in the like that I can remember recently. And again, Jonas, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. The Spurs game and the Bucks game. Other than that, I feel like they've really competed on defense pretty much. I don't know since the very beginning of the year when they were still kind of getting used to the, like Tibbs' scheme against like the Sixers and like the first Pacer game or whatever. So like. That's still there. Are they are they moving the ball less? I don't. To me, it's less about moving the ball less, and it's more about like when guys aren't drawing doubles because they're not hitting shots. You're not commit. Like, what can you do? Like, there's no there's no secret sauce, right? That you could yeah. sprinkle onto this to this group of offensive players to just make them better than they are. And yeah. I think that's the reality that maybe we have to embrace. But is like. Is that the end of the world if we're just coming to accept, like, hey, this team just massively overachieved by beating everybody that they reasonably should have beaten until the Timberwolves game? And yeah. what are we left with? Like, what are the, how do we feel about the team if we embrace that reality? I don't know how to answer that question right now. Um, only but time that's will tell. What I'm coming to grips with. Yeah, only time will tell. But then my reply to that is so, do you think, here's another question for you, I guess. Do you think that we need a point guard then that can facilitate the offense and keep us playing at like a consistent level to kind of work through the zone? Or do you think we need a consistent score? Because that's what I've been going back and forth over. Um, you know, I think obviously the answer for, for my – I want a point guard because we needed a point guard forever. But good point guards who will stabilize our offense and really just take us up a level are not easy to come by and they're expensive. But scores are like a Terrence Ross type. That's easier to get. So I think, for me personally, we need to target that score to kind of help us through so this doesn't happen anymore, where Randall doesn't take on the run. Completely agree. But uh, George, good comment, by the way. Yeah, uh, Tibbs did say we play well against the zone. Listen, Tibbs is the spin master. I don't pay – I literally – you notice anybody who gets the newsletters, I never put any of Tibbs' quotes in the newsletters because it's all all coach speak. He just (laughs) – you can say whatever the fuck he wants. Like, what's – like, what's it going to – is a beat guy going to be like, you're wrong? (laughs) You know, uh, our beat guys don't really do that. Um, And, yes, uh, to answer your question, um, Futternick just said it in in the chat. We need a point guard badly. That's the answer. We need a point guard, and that's why. To fast forward to, um, and uh, I'm gonna we're gonna get someone else up here on the stage. But thank you so much, Jonas. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, no. Um, no, thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Um, that's why fast forwarding to uh, July or well, I guess we'll see where we are on lottery night. But whether it's lottery night or draft night, boy. I don't know if there's going to be an opportunity to make a Godfather offer for Jalen Suggs, but shit, if there is, sign me all the way up. Um, I don't know that there's too high a price to pay. I have talked about the the notion of giving up a future first and both of our firsts this year, you know, and a player to go up and and potentially get Suggs. I know that's probably controversial, but like. You look around the league, unless unless the plan is to throw the bag at, Jay, at uh, Jalen Brunson in a year. Um, that's an idea. But anyway. is, it, Before we get to because Luke Johnson, we're going to bring him up now in a, uh, in a second. Is there precedent for that type of godfather offer? That sounds like an NFL trade where you're trading four firsts. Like the Eagles just traded three firsts. Or the, the Niners just traded three firsts to get to the three pick. Is there precedent for that in the NBA? Uh, the only precedent that is coming to mind right now, and no, actually, no. Um, was it the the Orlando trade for Penny? When so that's exactly for Penny. Wow, we have been working together too long. Uh, that was the first. That was the trade that came to my mind, <laughs> and that's not precedent. And somebody mentioned the Dallas trade for Luca. The difference between those trades and what we would be we would have on the table is those guys were trading from within the top tier of the draft. Yeah, it was five to three. Yeah, Five to three and three to one. And, yes, they were giving up future first in the deal. The penny trade was three future first. Um, So those were different. I actually am going to lean on 
I think the closest approximation might be the trade that Walt Perrin pulled off to get Deron Williams. Because, yes, he only went up from six to three, but I feel like it was Martel – was it Martel Webster? Um, I think that was the first name. Webster – like, Deron Williams was picked ahead of Chris fucking Paul. Like, Deron Williams was a generational point guard prospect. At least at that time, that is how he was looked. Webster was a high school kid. And I feel like – like, but, again, we're not – we're probably not going to be going up for – well, we're almost certainly not going to be going up from six to the top five. We're going to be going up from, like, 10 or 11 or 12 or 13 at best case to the top five. So maybe there really isn't that. I'll, 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 I'll think this one through this, some, but let's get someone else up here. Yeah, this is a newsletter topic. Next yeah. up, um, Luke Johnston, whose uh, profile picture is Julius Randall on Walt Frazier's body. And it made me laugh. Luke. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, John. Uh, first of all, John, I just want to say I'm a big fan. Uh, Thank you, man recently started following you right around when the season started. Okay. I was not, not a big Twitter guy before the season, but now I'm kind of obsessed. And the, the Randall thing, it's one of many in my camera roll. <laughs> I have maybe, maybe 75 in a, in a Knicks folder. I got <laughs> endless now, but uh, awesome. I saw um, a lot of zone comments earlier and I feel like, I don't know, it might just me. Might but might just be me, but I feel like Bullock has been like really solid these last like six, seven, eight games of the shooting. I don't know, I don't know what the what the numbers are. I'll but, pull them up right now. Um, I feel like at the beginning of the season, everyone was like completely against him. All oh, we all hate Bullock. Get him off the team. And now you know there's nobody there's nobody really hating on Bullock, and I think that's kind of funny, just to show how fans they don't. Like, they only appreciate good play. Because <laughs> Bullock was in the same pool as, as Peyton was, I feel like, when they were both doing pretty bad. But now Bullock is, I mean, Bullock's defense is unheralded. Like, we as fans, like, as close fans might know it. But he's, I, I love how he plays defense. He is a legitimately good defender. Um, again, we, we talk about defense and... I feel like there's we we all, we have like simplistic conversations about defense of like someone is a good defender or someone is a bad defender. There's so many de- like there are as many aspects to defense as there are to offense. Um, and like Bullock is a guy who is he going to like shut down the opposing team's best player? Of course not. Like he's not that level of defender, but he is so aware off ball. He really very rarely, if ever, makes mistakes off ball in terms of where he's supposed to be. Um, and he competes like hell. And I think, to, I don't like personally, I think he's the best wing defender on the team. I don't think it's RJ Barrett. I think RJ Barrett has come a long way. I think in a one on one situation, if like you have a bigger wing, I would maybe take RJ over Bullock just because RJ has the size and like yeah. he had a possession. Um, God, there are there everything's starting to run together already. Um, oh, the possession against uh, Duncan Robinson in the in the Heat game where R- he like RJ absolutely blanketed him and Duncan had threw up a prayer and of course it went in. That yeah. was great. He had another moment in the. Um, in the uh, Timberwolves game where he absolutely was all over whoever the hell he was guarding. Like he has those moments, but in terms of just consistency and well-rounded defense, I I think Bullock is the best uh, defender wing defender on the team. And then his offense, he's shooting 39% from three for the year. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's like not that far off from his career number. He's, I want to say 37 and change um, for his career. I'm going to look it up right now. Um, but he's been solid for his entire career. Yeah, he's he's at thirty eight point six. So he's essentially right where he's been for his entire career. Yeah. Um. And like, oh, you know, late. Yeah, he's been a little bit better. Um. And Chad Cohen has a really nice uh, comment here. The issue with Reggie is that he's incapable or won't shoot with a man near him. But he is what he is. Um. And uh, Jonas, another good comment from Jonas. He's not a number one three point shooting option on a good team, and he sometimes gets gets exposed. And another good comment from Fuddy. Bullock is exactly what he's supposed to be. I'm going to compile all those together. Bullock should not be a starting shooting guard in the NBA. 
for a good team um, because he doesn't really put the ball on the floor other than to do the one thing that I've also come to love watching him do, which is dribble from around when, when he does get someone in his face at the, uh, behind the arc, he could dribble around that screen, dri- dribble into long two territory and take that pull up um, yeah. 16 to 18 footer. Right. Mm-hmm. That's great. And I feel like that's money in the bank. But that's essentially all he could do other than spot up, and he does need room. And in an ideal world, that guy's like your – what is he? Is he your seventh man? Um, but that doesn't mean that we should – like he got – he deserved the hate that he was getting. I was on I was on Bullock Island all year. Um, do I wish he was in a, a, a role that was more ideal? Yes. And, you know, if we – like who who are we signing in the offseason to, to – like you, the first comment that you brought up was about the zone. Yeah. You put Lonzo in the Bullock spot. See, that's the thing. And someone mentioned about signing Lonzo to, to solve our point guard problems. Lonzo shouldn't slide, slide into the starting point guard spot. Lonzo should start into the sliding two spot in place of Reggie. Cause Lonzo can give you kind of the same shooting that Reggie could give you. And he could help bust his own by yeah. putting the ball on the floor um, he has, I think, a, he's a little bit taller than Reggie Bullock, I believe. Um, he has, a, I think, a little bit of a quicker release. Um, I think, and he, again, put the ball on the floor, slots Reggie into a reserve role. If they could re-sign Reggie, re-sign um, Alec Burks. I think these are all things that are are helping you bust the zone and getting you better towards busting the zone. But, again, it's going round and round in circles. Where's the point guard? Um, cause you need a quality, I feel like you need a quality point guard who could break down a defense and hit a shot from outside to right. bump the zone. And where, you know, I, I wish I could manufacture that player out of thin air, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's why I would make the Godfather trade for Suggs. Uh, it's why I would think about throwing all of the money at Jalen Brunson in a year from now. Um, see when you, when you said that last night uh, on, during the live stream, I was, at first, I was kind of question. I was kind of questioning it because throwing the bag. My first reaction is like a lot of money. You know, it's Jalen. It's Jalen Brunson. I, I feel like no, no offense to anybody who thinks he's really good, but if you if you're giving him like I don't know, I, I'm not like eighteen. If that's what you consider throwing the bag, I don't know. I don't know if that's worth it. Oh, I think it's more than that. I think I think it's the. I think it's good because here's the thing. You're getting another year from Brunson, um, in which he's—I guarantee you—he's going to be better next year. And oh, I, oh I, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and he's going to like. Don't be surprised if you look up uh, in the summer of 2022, and Jalen Brunson's stat line going into his free agency year is very similar to Fred Van Fleet's stat line from last season. Which, yeah. You know, and Van Fleet got four for uh, what was it? Four for eighty-four. Um, whatever it was, four for eighty-four, four for eighty-six, like. That's the Jalen Brunson contact contract, yeah. if if not more. But here's my thing about Brunson: like, occasionally players come along in the NBA where they you don't realize. Like, it takes a while for that for you to to, to to mentally wrap your head around the fact that like this guy's way more than anybody ever thought he could be. And to me, I look at the passes Brunson's able to make. I look at how good he is around the rim. There was a stat going around on Twitter yesterday that essentially says that Jalen Brunson is like the best shooter in basketball around the rim. If you account for position, difficulty of shots, like all that shit, he's in like that dude's fucking good. Like, yes, I would pay that guy a lot of money, and he's a good defender too. He's not a bad defender. He's 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 built. He's like stocky. He's got a nice build. Yeah, so I don't know. He, he's a thank you, uh, CT Pimmon in the in the chat. He's a dog, absolutely. Um, and hey, uh, you know, let's just call it like it is. The like, if there's one guy that Leon Rose should be able to get, it's Jalen Brunson. Because for anybody who doesn't know, um, his Leon Rose's first client was was Rick Brunson, um, who also coincidentally has been an assistant coach for Tibbs for most of Tibbs' career until he ran into some legal issues uh, last or two years ago and left Minnesota. The one other thing I want to say really quickly about Brunson in terms of an extension, um, the the max amount – this is the Mitch thing. The max amount that the Mavericks can offer him – excuse me – in an extension this offseason 
is a contract starting at 120% of what he's making this year. And because he was a second round pick, I'm fairly certain he makes like nothing this year. Um, it's like $2 million. So they're not, um, or sorry, it's 120% of that or 120% of the average annual salary. So it's essentially a contract starting at 12 million, which he's not going to sign for. So they're not going to, they're not going to extend Brunson this, this off season. Um, unless they decline his team option and make him restricted, which I'm, I got to look at this, the, the nature of the contract he signed. I'm not even sure if that's an option for him, but um, anything, uh, any other uh, thoughts before uh, we get someone up on the stage? Uh, I just want to uh, say that I have a life-size Kevin Knox poster fathead on my wall. <laughs> that's fantastic. I had, I had a, a I had a Porzingis one. Um, even after he got traded, I had a Porzingis one up until like, like a couple months after, and you know, I was, I was checking Twitter on the day of the tra- the day of the trade deadline in school, and I was very nervous because I didn't want to do the same thing in Porzingis to Knox because, you know, I, I I like Kevin a little bit more. Knox is a good. I, I, can I just say this again? I got like so little insight from when I was covering the team in person last year for for SI. One piece of insight, uh, insight that I can give you is like Knox is a really good kid. He's like he's 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 es he's soft spoken and like all the things that drive us crazy when he's on the court. But the, the the flip side of that coin is like he's just a good he's like a good young man. He's just yeah he's cool. So don't keep keep that keep that up there on your wall. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Thanks, John. Yeah. No, thanks for thanks for coming out. I appreciate it. Um, and uh, as as uh, we're waiting for our next uh, next caller, next speaker, um, George mentioned in the chat. What about Dennis Schroeder? Um, I I don't even want to spend the time delving into his stats, which I'm not a huge fan of. Just the efficiency numbers of him for most of his career, basically every year aside from last season, because he turned down four years, eighty million dollars. I do not want to pay him more than four years, $80 million. So that's what I have to say about Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> do you have – Luke just brought up something before we get to the next the next uh, person. Um, what's your most embarrassing – not to say that the Kevin Knox fathead is embarrassing, but the player that you bought a piece of memorabilia from them or of them that – within <gasps> a year you were like, I, this, I regret this purchase because I think I can beat it. I mean, I, I mean, I, I have a Porzingis signed thing, but that's that's a different thing. There's legitimate. There was legitimate hype where we thought he was the the great white. Like yeah. You know? Um, I I own. I did not purchase it, but this I think this counts. I own a. Um, oh my goodness! What was his name? I'm gonna look. Okay. I have to look it up. Go, okay. go yours first. I'll go then. Well, I have a – so I got it in 2007, I guess it was, and it's not Knicks-related. Uh, any Mets fan that knows the name Lastings Millage, um, I got a Lastings Millage jersey. Oh, he was hype. Yes. He was real. He was yes. a real thing. I got a Lastings Millage jersey and, like, wore it to multiple Mets games – um, he was out of Major League Baseball within two years of. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Me purchasing that? So that would be... That like don't regret the Kevin Knox fathead just yet. I think there's a role 
on a team that will play him that wants shooting Luke. Um, hopefully he's not out of the NBA in two years would be what I'd say. Um, I have, I have like, um, a, I have a Buck Williams signed thing that from when uh, I was in went to Knicks camp as a kid, he was a guest speaker. I feel like there's some nostalgia there because he at least had some time on other teams before he got to the Knicks. Like I have a Brett Favre Jets jersey, like as shitty as that year was. Oh no, Buck Williams once upon a time was a fucking he was a badass. Like Buck Williams was a legitimate NBA basketball player before he got like washed up. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know how to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you could get all this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into this program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. Joseph Raimondi, welcome to the stage, sir. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's going on, Joseph? How you doing, bud? Uh, pretty good. So I just wanted to circle back to uh, what Jonas was talking about. Sure. Um, about, like, you know, when was the last time we had a quality win, like a real quality win? And um, I just kind of wanted to point out, like, when, like, does that coincide with when Mitch went down? Because... I think we overlook how much that injury hurt because we didn't see an immediate impact. And because like the numbers don't necessarily show it because he wasn't putting up huge numbers. But I mean, the guy, he allows the offense to breathe a little with his lob threat, which Nerlens Noel, listen, he's been great, but he doesn't offer that. And so he gives RJ and Randall more room to work in the paint just by the virtue of his threat. And I think his rebound numbers are are nothing uh, to write home about, but he's so good at boxing out. And like, I don't know the numbers, but I bet if you dig into it, I bet you Randall's rebounding numbers took a big hit when Mitch went down. So so I think we miss him a lot more than it shows. I, as usual, you're you're spot on Um, a couple things. His, we could talk about different areas of Mitch's game that have improved since his rookie year. None of them have improved as much as his ability to box out and rebound um, specifically on the defensive glass, because he was a gifted offensive rebounder from the first, you know, moment he stepped foot on, on an NBA court, but he couldn't, I mean, we all remember those early defensive rebounding numbers. Like they, he could, he literally could, I mean, he just, you could, he couldn't grab a defensive board. And he, I'm not saying that like he's Andre Drummond. Um, now but he's like i never and the number the the advanced numbers back this up that the um they never really suffered on the defensive glass while he was out there in terms of the offense i'm just i want to bring it up right now because i have to think all right i'm doing honor honor code i'm gonna guess that derrick rose and mitchell robinson played 50 minutes together this year let me see Oh, Jesus Christ. They, how many games do you guys think Mitchell Robinson and Derrick Rose have appeared in together this year? You, Joseph, do you have a guess? I'm, no, I'm just going to say not enough. Ashwin got it. Uh, two. Two games. Um, and they have played a grand total of 11 minutes together. So when I think about Mitch and I think about I, I, you're 1000% spot on in that he offers that offense a different dimension that Nerland's Noel, I'm sorry, I love you Nerland, um, does not give it. We never even really saw that aspect unlocked with the, cause like Rose wasn't on the team. He wasn't playing with Robinson once he got here because the, one of them was injured. The other one was injured. And like Peyton, 
Like it's it feels like their defense it after like two, three games this season, their defense was like maybe not two, three games, maybe like let's say five or six games. They figured out the defense. I feel like it took them a while longer to figure out the offense. And the numbers definitely back that up because I haven't looked at it in the last couple of days, but for like a 15 or so game stretch, um, they were like a basically like the 15th or 16th best offense in basketball um, up until, again, I haven't, let me, actually, I'll check it right now. Um, and I feel like Mitch was not there for a lot of those. And I think if you added Mitch into the starting lineup and like just picturing a starting lineup with Mitch and Rose and RJ and Randall and like Reggie Bullock, oof. Like I, I, we're, and we're not, we're not going to get to see it, and that sucks. Um, but completely agree with you on on those points. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what else. Like, what else can we point to in terms of like a, a moment where, like, things really change? I get like they, their their quality of competition also went down when Mitch went down. So it's tough to, it's tough to see. I think we're really going to get our answer to this question over the next like month or so as they play better teams. And like, we'll see if, how, how quickly they can compete. Um, yeah. The, uh, Luke Johnson, the offense was pretty dreadful to start the year. Uh, very true. Um, Chris has another good comment in the chat. I really hope we keep Mitch long-term. He hasn't tapped into his full potential yet. I completely agree. Um, it sounds like they may negotiate and enter into negotiations with him this summer on an extension. Uh, they absolutely should. Um, it, it would make sense for both parties. Um, and, uh, Eshwin has a good comment here too. Do you think Pell could make an impact for us? He had some nice highlights, but he gets into major foul trouble. Yeah. Norvell Pell, uh, somebody said this on Twitter. I'm, I'm going to steal it from them and I wish I could remember I, so I could give them credit. Um, he's essentially like rookie year Mitch. If you look at his fouls per 36 minutes and his blocks per 36 minutes, like that's Norvell Pell. Um, the thing is, I'm not sure that I want him to get time over Taj because Taj is like so steady. And I just, you know, I love me some, some Taj. Um, Joe, anything else from you before we go on to the next, uh, next person? Yeah. I just want to say free OB. It was awesome last night in the first half, and he played, what, three minutes in the second half? Uh, um, I'm really sick of uh, – I'm, I'm the biggest Tibbs fan. I always loved him. I wanted them to hire Tibbs back when they hired Hornacek instead. But, like, man, like sometimes you just got to go with the hot hand. Like, Julius didn't have it last night, and I wanted – Obi was awesome, and I wanted to see more Obi, and I was really disappointed, like, Ball movement stopped when Randall came in. I, I felt it in that second quarter. They called that timeout with five minutes left. And I said, oh, man, Tibbs is coming back with the starters. He's going to – this is going to go downhill fast. And look at what happened. That's one of those things I, – I completely agree with you. It's one of those things where, in retrospect, obviously it was the wrong move. Um, but, like, that's one of those things where I lean on – my default is to say, I've never been in an NBA locker room. How would it? How would it? How would it um, play out if your All Star is having like really his first nightmare game of the year, and you essentially benched him for the rest of the half? What I would have liked to see is him keep Obi in there and bring in Randall and have them go small and go at, with those two at the four five for. The, the last however like and and see how that played out you know because then you don't risk like alienating your all-star but at the same time you continue rolling with the hot hand like that would have been cool but you know we'll see um yeah george says it obi and randall on the court together um hopefully that's again one of those things as we as we go down the stretch of the season um i would love to see some more of uh because like just let's see if it works let's see if it works um, Andrew, what do we uh, what do we got next? Well, first of all, Joe, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, we appreciate your interactions in these every week, so thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you guys. Thank um, you, Joseph, man. You're, you're man, dude. So we're we'll see if we have time for another one. But this may be our our grand finale. Jesse Matazaro 
Uh, Matarazzo, excuse me. I hey, nailed it. Correct. There you go. There you go, Matarazzo. Matarazzo, what's going on, man? How you guys doing? Um, so, I'm actually a Mavericks fan, but I got love for the Knicks. I think the Knicks need to be good in the league for the league to be good. So, um, I wanted to put some insight on Jalen Brunson. Please. Uh, if we can rewind. Yeah, um, absolutely. I watch every single game of him. Um, I have a Mavs podcast, so I'm I'm deep into it. So, uh, Jalen's amazing. He, he has a true shooting percentage of 64%, and, like, he's just, like, always just um, – you know, he's a spark off the bench, but, like, everyone in the Mavs fandom know that if he was a starter, he would average at least 20 points a game, like, no question. Um, every Can time I ask why he is in a starter? Because they want a little bit more size there next to Luka uh, okay. for, for defensive purposes. Brunson's not a bad defender, but, like, Luka's inability to, to defend at the point of attack – um, on the perimeter, he, Luke is a really good mid-range defender and, like, close to the basket defender. But, like, if you get him towards the – you know, he's not going to be def- – Brunson's not going to be defending, like, the dames of the world. Nobody is. But, like, yeah. he, he's still a good defender, but you can't have him as your primary backcourt defender, right? Okay. So that's why. But anytime Jalen Brunson starts for us, if Luke is out or something like that, he goes off. Like he absolutely goes off. Um, what was the? I watched the game on League Pass. Um, you guys were. Oh, it was the Pelicans game, right? You guys were in it until the very end, and then the Pelicans went on a late. Right. Ball. Yeah. Like, Brunson was awesome. Brunson was amazing. He's just so good at manipulating space, getting to the basket, and then once he's at the basket, it's a bucket. Like n- no problem. Uh, he's a really good passer, although sometimes he has tunnel vision. Um, he'll he'll go and just try to get his bucket, which is fine because he's kind of got a limited amount of time out there. Um, but he he plays a little bit more like even keel. He makes really good decisions. Uh, I thought he's been like pretty amazing um, lately in the in the last I would say two months. But yeah, I mean, everyone says if Brunson was a starter in any any sort of team, he would be an amazing player. And yeah, if y'all ended up getting him. I'd be really sad on the Knicks, but, like, he is pretty much what you guys wanted. Like, you were talking about your ball movement uh, yesterday. Uh, the Mavericks are uh, second in the league. They uh, give up the fewest assists in the league. So it's really hard to move on them. It's A lot of that is because of their zone, really. Yeah. Um, so – I uh I wouldn't I wouldn't get too in, disheartened by that but yeah if like you got the Lonzos of the world like I don't know if you're going to you guys are going to throw a bag at Lonzo or whatever but like, I, I have a funny feeling they they might <laughs> I, I would uh I would really suggest it it would not be a quote unquote Knicks move to get Brunson it would be uh, an amazing sort of thing for y'all because I think he's like one of those guys that's about to turn into a star I thank you so much for for coming on and um and sharing your insight and uh, I I listen we we keep it above board here. Uh congratulations on the win. Um it, it was it was a good win. Um I was um not in a good place last night. Um but you guys are I mean look, you guys have um you guys have the guy that's going to uh dominate the league for the next decade. So um have fun with that. Do not, do not, do not take that for granted. Just promise me that. Yeah, can you, can you we, promise me I, that? I'm amazed every day about about Luca. He's he's absolutely amazing. I think uh, he some games it's just like wow. There's like no flaws. Like he, sometimes shot selection is bad, but he's still making him at a high clip. So. Um, I could go for an hour on Lucas, so I'll, I'll stop myself. But, yeah, I really hope the Knicks get a, a good seed and, and maybe get a first-round win in the playoffs because I, I love seeing the Knicks do well. For- well, thank you for that. Um, yeah, no, I um, so with Brunson, the only thing that I'm not sure of is I know, um, obviously, you guys have him under contract next year for uh, I think it's like two-point-something million dollars. I'm going to pull it up right now. Uh, oh my God! It's this is criminal. One point eight million dollars. So it's the it is the it's the Mitch contract essentially. The only thing that I am not a hundred percent sure about, and I will have to really dig deep into the CBA to find this out, is if you guys declined 
his next year of his contract, which is not guaranteed, does that make him a restricted free agent this offseason? Um, I am I am under the impression that because that next year on his contract is a non-guaranteed year, as opposed to a team option, I think that makes the difference, and I think there's no way for the Mavs to make him restricted. I'm not a hundred percent on that. I, I'm like I said, I'm going to dive into the CBA at some point um, pretty soon because if I was the Mavs and I had the option to make him restricted, um, I like would really think long and hard about that, especially since, as I said before, you can't sign him to an extension this offseason for more than tw- uh, $12 million or starting at more than $12 million. Right. Um, so um, actually, do I have uh, – I just want to make sure I still have him. Jesse, can I ask you just one more question? Sure. Um, a question in the chat from Eshwin. Do you think the Mavs should keep Porzingis? I think we have to until next uh, trade deadline because I think his value will get better. The uh, The memory of him being out will be faded a little bit more. I think you just got to sell high on him. So I wouldn't do it in the offseason, but I would definitely be interested in the at the trade deadline. Um, Porzingis is fine. He's just It's just very difficult when you don't have that third guy to, um, to navigate through all these back-to-backs that we always seem to have every season. So... Uh, that's really the biggest thing. I think he's a fine player. Um, you know, he obviously his attitude and stuff like that is a problem, but, um, I'm okay with, I'm okay with you watching as a mass fan that his attitude is not. Yeah. So there's been some things going on where he's stormed off the court because he wasn't getting wide open shots. Like it's not real bad. Like he's not causing like a stir or anything, but there's just like little body language things and and um it just there seems some static there but a lot of that i think had to do with the Mavs having some struggles early in the year with covid and everything like that so we'll see but i mean you know i, I i'm not a huge porzingis fan i like what he does defensively for sure um but offensively he seems to be just like very uh i don't want to say anything inflammatory but like i i think he's uh, his his mental as- approach to the game is questionable. Let's just put it that way. Jesse, I'm I'm letting you know this is a safe space. You can say anything <laughs> you're trying to worry about. There's thousands of things. That yeah, I'm sure y'all are uh, edging for that. Like, um, yeah, but so no, no. You, we, we, I think you no. I think you you hit the nail on the head. Uh, yeah, he's a rhythm based guy, and it's really difficult to get a guy in rhythm every game when you're trying to run. That's really um, that's really well said. Um, so, and th- thank you very much for the insight and the contribution. We, uh, we definitely appreciate it. No here. problem, guys. Um, all right, Andrew. Do you want to know the name of the? I found the name of the player, by the way. Yes, I love it. So, um, you know what? Actually, should we do? Can we do a little um, a little quiz? Uh, sure. Am I um, the only one playing, or are we also asking the chat? No, any, any anyone can anyone can chime in. Okay. So the player, I have a signed hat from this player. Um, he spent. He was the fifteenth pick in the draft. I'm not going to say what year because that would give it away. But he was the fifteenth pick in the draft. He was on the Knicks for one season in the '90s, and his claim to fame with the New York Knicks is he once made. I'm going to just count this because there's no other way for me to do it. He once made um, 4, 7, 10, 17. He once made 17 consecutive free throws. Oh, I don't know. Um, All right, someone in the chat, help me out. This is the 90s? (laughs) He was on the Knicks for one year in the 90s. Not a great year. Not a bad year. Not a great year. You said he was the 15th overall pick. Was he drafted by the Knicks? No, he was drafted in the 80s, um, not by the Knicks. I was born in 88, John. Um, okay, someone in the chat, someone said, Luke said Courtney Lee. That's it was certainly not Courtney Lee. This, <laughs> this, this season occurred well before Courtney Lee was ever drafted. Uh, Jesse said Hardaway. No, uh, um, no one's going to get this. Uh, yeah. It is a uh, young, young man by the name of Gary Grant. Um he was uh, started his career out with the 
uh, Seattle uh, Supersonics. He was drafted by the Seattle Supersonics. Spent most of his time with the Clippers. He was with the Knicks for one season in 95-96. He averaged a grand total of five uh, points a game. I had a signed hat from Gary Grant. If you if you told me you made that up after the show, I'd, I'd believe you. I've literally never heard of this guy. Um, so that that wins. remembers Gary. <laughs> that wins. That that's clearly the most wild piece of memorabilia. So Luke, feel better about your Kevin Knox fathead. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Dolores okay. has a Matt Franco signed ball. Does she? Yeah, she said it in the chat before. You know who Matt Franco is, right? I'm assuming. Dolores, is that in our house? Where? Is it just him or did someone else sign the ball? Because you have a Piazza ball too. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. This is this is good information for me to have. There you go. You're welcome. Uh, I think if you want, you can take us out. This was this, – thank you, everybody, for contributing today. This was perfect. Yeah, this is how we want this to look and feel um, moving forward. I think I speak for Andrew when I say that. This is a lot of fun for me. Absolutely. Um, these are, uh, this is free therapy for me. I don't, it's, uh, it's a lot cheaper than having to pay an actual therapist for working through my Nick's, uh, thoughts and, and feelings. So, uh, I owe you all, I owe you all money. I don't know what, what does a therapist go for nowadays? I have no idea. A lot. A lot of money. <laughs> it's there weekly too. So a lot. There you go. Okay. So, um, anyway, um, I will leave us by saying, um, that, it doesn't feel great right now in Nick's land, um, but let's just um, remember um, what this season was supposed to be about. Let's always remember that. This was about laying the foundation, and uh, I think actually one of the few instances where Tibbs was being honest was where he said after the, the first presser after the trade deadline where he was like, we know – we know how much work we have to do still. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like that's real. Um, and I feel like they, they feel, I have to think, I have to think the front office feels good about where they're at moving forward. Maybe not where they're at as a team right now. That's like trying to win a, a playing game or something, but like, Moving forward, I have to think the front office feels good about where things are at. And always remember, always remember, they have more information than we do. And they hear stuff, more stuff than, obviously, they hear more stuff than we do. They talk to, you know, people in the league more than we do. They talk to agents. They talk to, they find out what other players are thinking. Um, so, you know, even if things appear like not great right now, I if we step back from the ledge a little bit, I feel like we can we could feel we could still feel really good about the season as a whole, even if things seem to start to go off the rails a little bit. Um, so that's a, the only thing I want to leave us with. So yeah, and and David Futterdick, let's eat that little Caesars tonight. Yes, let's eat that little Caesars tonight. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I actually want pizza now. That is what I want for lunch. Just not little Caesars. No offense. I guess if Little Caesar wants to partner with Nick's film school, then yes, I'd love some little can I, Caesars tonight. Can I just admit, I'm, it's the one pizza chain I don't think I've ever had. Oh, you didn't? Oh. I've because seen, I grew up in with, college, it, they had the $5 hot and ready, so they were mandatory that you had Little Caesars like twice a week. Oh, so my, like, I, you know, I went to Fordham, so we had our, like, actual real pizza places. Well, that's the thing. I went to school in Virginia, so the realest of pizza was Domino's. So as a result, you found the cheapest options possible. You know? Yeah, no, like, um, yeah, of course my wife is chiming in saying that she wishes there was a Little Caesars here. Where we are, we've always been Pizza Hut connoisseurs ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we will go to Domino's if, if need be, but um, we're a Pizza Hut asshole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I... Since moving back to New York, it's been few and far apart that I've had Domino's pizza, like the fake pizza, like the fast food pizza. Just listen, man. Don't 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 speak down to the. Oh, I don't mean to, but like it's we're, we're all honest about it. It's not like in a, it's not Defara, it's not LMBs, it's not Umberto's. You know, yeah, it's, it's you get know what you're getting. Yeah, but that's like it's just like White Castle isn't you know a black label burger from Manetta Tavern, and yet. There are times I just want a White Castle, just like there are times where I want Pizza Hut. So. Oh, no, I agree. 
know, sometimes you want solid, crap, productive point guard play, and then sometimes you're okay with Alfred Payton. We no. made it the entire stream without saying his name. We had to throw it in at the end. So there. Do not put Alfred Payton's name in the same sentence as something I enjoy, <laughs> like White Castle or Pizza Hut. I'm not having that one go unrequited. Un, uh, I right. stand by it. You sign us out, dude. Let's let's get out of here. Thank you, everybody. And uh, yeah, if you if you want to listen to this again, it'll be up on the stream. But otherwise, uh, check out uh, tonight's live stream after what I hope to God will be a win against the Pistons. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see everybody soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.